so kids, look at the front of the book. What's, uh, what's, what's he doing on the front of the book? What's he doing? You don't have to raise your hand. What's he doing? Walking on the water. Now, do you remember as we walk through the story of Exodus, does anything happen with people and water? Anybody remember what? The storm happened, okay. Yeah, God moved the water, and they walked through on dry land. Claire, were you going to say the same thing? All right, so God didn't just do miracles with this one man. God has done miracles for all of history. Isn't that good news? And just like Matt led us in at the beginning, um, as God's church gathers every week um, throughout a lot of long, long time ago history, and especially on Easter, they would declare, he is risen, he is risen indeed. Now, some of us weren't here for that, um, and, uh, and others seem like they wanted to do it again. So do we want to do that again? Do we want to declare he's risen again? Like, this is a good declaration to be reminded of all the time, not just once, right? So, all right, so I'll say he is risen, and you say he is risen indeed, okay? Grown-ups and kiddos, can we do this? He is risen. He is risen indeed. I think we can do better than that. He is risen. He is risen. He is risen indeed. All right. That is the declaration of praise uh, for the resurrection of Jesus and for the life that he gives us and for God's salvation. But today we are going to flip a couple thousand years before that back into the book of Exodus. And today we're going to see in Exodus chapter 15, that's where we're going, we're going to see another declaration of praise from God's Old Testament people called Israel. But you know what? It's for the same thing. It's because he saved their life. He gave them life and he saved them. And so for all of history, God's people have been praising him for his salvation. If you haven't been here in a little while, if you uh, don't think anyone is first time here with us, but we're walking through Exodus on Sundays this year. Um, And even if this were your first time in church, or even if you're a kiddo and have just had a few stories from the Bibles read to you, you might know the story of Exodus. It's an extraordinary story. It's It's a very popular story. It's a story of God sending this man, Moses, and his brother, Aaron, to lead God's people out of Egypt to a land that God promised them. And in order to save them, God miraculously split the Red Sea and his people walked through on dry land. And so this point in Exodus is a a celebration of God saving his Old Testament people from literal slavery. God conquers an enemy called Pharaoh and frees his people from oppression. That's what we see in Exodus. Today, though, is Easter. And so there's an even better story, an even bigger story. Today, we celebrate God saving not just some people, but all people who trust in him from spiritual slavery and from our sin. And and God conquers an even bigger enemy than Pharaoh. The enemy is Satan. The enemy is called death itself. And he frees people from eternal death. He frees people from eternal separation. So this is kind of what we've seen through Exodus so far. And in the song, God's people sing after he saves them. If you're in Exodus 15, you see it's kind of a poem uh, or a song. It's in verse. And in the song that God's people sing after he saves them, they're praising God for who he is for Israel. And Exodus 15 also can show us who God is for us. So I'm going to pray real quick, and we'll jump into this song that they sing. So Father God, we do thank you for raising Jesus from the dead. We thank you that he was the one and only God on earth. He is the one and only miracle man. And God, we thank you also that you've been showing your power and your pursuit and your redemption for ages past and for ages since. 
Would you help us be awakened a little more to who you are and what you do today through this song? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so in Exodus 15, I've already mentioned it's a verse, it's a song. So what do God's people do in response to, their, in, in response to God saving them? They sing. And, and not just like a silly love song, kind of ballad kind of thing we hear on the radio a lot. Like they're singing intense words of worship and praise in this chapter. And so if you've ever wondered why there's so much singing when a church gathers, it's to remind each other and declare back to God who God is. It's to remind each other and declare back to God what God has done. And that's what God's people are doing in Exodus chapter 15. Um, Now, we plan these verses. I plan these verses. I'll take the credit for it. Before Easter, because it's a song of praise. If I'm honest, though, rereading it this week, anybody read this passage this week? There's a lot of verses about dead Egyptians, way more than I remembered. That doesn't seem very Eastery at all, um, but there's a lot of words about God conquering Egypt. But you know what? That is part of the good news that God's people sang. The, the first truth that this song reminds us, it's going to be on the screen, it already is on the screen, is that God is powerful and God fights for his people. The good news of even some of the verses about dead Egyptians is that God is able to conquer every enemy that he faces, every enemy that his people face, and he's able to conquer every enemy that you face. If you've been walking with us, you know that he, one by one, picked off a ton of false gods in Egypt, and he culminated in defeating Pharaoh in this chapter. Look at verse 3 with me of Exodus chapter 15. It's on the screen if you don't have a Bible. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his host he cast into the sea, and Pharaoh's chosen officers were sunk in the Red Sea. The floods covered them, and they went down to the depths like a stone. Who caused that to happen? Verse 6, your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power, your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. Here's the reality. Someone in this room, whether you follow Jesus or not, someone feels defeated. Maybe today, maybe you have this week, maybe it's a regular thing for you, but we we all at times feel defeated. Maybe, Maybe not by an Egyptian king, but by some relationship, some situation, some debt, some false God that demands more and more and more of you. The good news for Israel and the good news for you is that God is powerful and he fights for his people. Look at verse 2, which is just before this. Moses leads the people to sing, the Lord is my strength, which means I'm not my strength. And other things are not my strength. The Lord is my strength and my song. He's the one who puts the song in my heart, in my air, in my lungs. He has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. Y'all, Exodus celebrates a God who shows great power through his servant Moses and frees Israel from an evil ruler. But at Easter, we get to celebrate God's even greater power through his servant, but also his son, Jesus. God doesn't just free some people, but he offers to free all people. And he doesn't just free us from some evil human, he frees us from the very concept of evil itself. This is the Bible's promise, is that Jesus reigns as the one true king now, if you trust him, And one day he'll return and defeat Satan and reign as a full king for all of eternity in a renewed heavens and earth where there will be zero evil and zero oppression and zero sin and zero brokenness. 
God is a God of power, and he fights for you. And so the question for you, if you feel defeated today, and again, this is true whether you have claimed to follow Jesus for years and decades or whether you're not sure about Jesus, or it's a question for you no matter how old you are or how young you are, the question for you is, if you feel defeated today, would you be willing to trust that God to fight for you? Are you willing to trust that God? Maybe you're here and you're like, I don't actually feel defeated. Maybe, maybe God being powerful doesn't actually sound like that great of news to you. If that's you, maybe this second truth in God's song through Moses will resonate more with you, and that is that God is personal. God is powerful, and maybe that resonates with you, but God is also personal, and he pursues his people. We just read this, but verse 2 is going to be back on the screen again. Notice this. Moses leads people to say, the Lord is my strength. That's a personal thing. The Lord is my song. The Lord has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. Here's the deal. Every single belief system on earth has some view of God. That's true for religions. That's true for philosophies. That's true for atheism, agnostics. Every belief system on earth has some view of God. Some say God doesn't exist. Others say God doesn't care. Some say God is far away. But you know what? Every person on earth has some view of God as well. And some say God doesn't exist. And some say he doesn't care. And some say he's far away. But in literally every other major world religion, no deities or deity is personal or caring or close by. Every other deity is impersonal and far away and uncaring. Every deity, if there is a deity in the belief system, demands obedience, demands empty obedience in order to earn their blessing and in order to earn some sort of relationship, if there is any relationship, it's on the person to earn it. That's not a good God. But the Christian God is unlike the false gods that we see in so many other world religions. Down in verse 11, Moses speaks of this. Notice this. He's acknowledging that there's other things that people worship. There's other deities trying to vie for our affection. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? He's saying there's no one. The one true God that Moses and Israel and followers of Jesus believe in is a personal God. And more than that, he's a God who pursues you. Israel, remember, was enslaved. They were rejected. They were at the bottom of the barrel. They, later we'll see in Exodus, complain against this God and consistently reject God and sin against God. And yet, what does God do over and over and over again? What are we even seeing already in Exodus, church? God comes for them. God comes for them. God comes for them. And thousands of years after the Exodus story ends, God pursues his people again. He comes for them again. Jesus Christ, God the Son, came to earth. And in the greatest act of God's pursuit in all of history, he lived a perfect, sinless life as a model for us that we can never live up to. And then he died on a cross to bring you and me into a personal relationship with a personal God. Why? Why did God the Son come? Why did God the Father send us? Why does God the Spirit stir this up in our hearts? Church, it's because God knows we can't be perfect. God knows we could never earn our way back to him. 
And so he instead pursues us and earns our way back to him on our behalf. So maybe today you feel rejected or forgotten or unable or lost or unworthy, and there's good news for you in this song of praise. That is the exact state that God pursues his people in. It's not when we say, hey, I've got it all together. I can do everything. I can, I can, I can. That's not when we're even open to God's pursuit. Rather, it's when we say, I can't, that God turns our face to him and says, I know. But I can, and I did, and I will continue to do. God is personal. He pursues a relationship with you. And so the question for you today, if you feel like you're at the end of yourself, if you feel rejected, forgotten, unable, lost, unworthy, Will you trust that God? Whether you've been walking with Jesus for a long time or asking that question, no matter how old you are, no matter how young you are, if you feel something like that, will you trust that God? And there's a third truth about God in this song, and that is that God is a redeemer. Now, the word redeem, we use it a lot in kind of churchy circles, but we can kind of lose what it means sometimes. But, but to redeem something means to buy it back or to pay the price for something. And in order to free Israel from slavery, God paid the price to bring his people to himself. What was the price? The price that God paid to bring Israel to himself was death. We saw this a couple weeks ago. Israel, in Exodus 13, sacrificed lambs. And the blood of the lamb was a price paid to cover their sin. See, and if you don't know this, this is another kind of popular story in the Bible. Ever since Adam and Eve, all the way back in Genesis, ever since they sinned, God declared that the wage for sin would be death. Because of disobedience, one day we would die. One, one day we will physically die. The night before God freed Israel from Egypt... He instituted this feast called Passover. We celebrated it together in this room a few weeks ago. And to declare God's power and to pursue God's people, every firstborn Egyptian male across all of Egypt died for Pharaoh's sin and for Egypt's sin because the wage for sin is, was, and always will be death. But Israel sinned too, because everyone sins. And Israel deserved death too. But trusting God's word and obeying what God said, God's people sacrificed these Passover lambs to be their substitute. The lambs paid the price of the death that they deserved. Death was the price to cover sin. And so in Exodus 15, down in verse 13, we see both the motive and the goal for God's redeeming work. This is verse 13. You have led in your steadfast love the people you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. Abode is not a word we use very often. It's to your holy home. It's to your holy presence. It's where God exists. What was God's motive for redeeming people? What's it say in the verse? Because of your steadfast love. You've led the people that you redeemed. What's the goal? Where's God taking us? God didn't just set Israel free just to go be completely self-indulgent and on their own. Where does God bring them? 
He brings them to himself. He brings them home to God. And every year through the Old Testament, through history still today, our Jewish friends and neighbors celebrate Passover in order to remember how God saved Israel from slavery and death in Egypt. But here's what we need to know. The first ever Easter in history occurred as Jesus and his disciples were celebrating Passover in Jerusalem. As Bethany and Ben reminded us, Jesus said, I'm going to lay down my life for you. I'm not going to be with you forever. Do do you get the symbolism in what Jesus is saying on that Passover celebration? Church, Jesus is the full and final Passover lamb. Because we believe in his sacrifice that paid the price for our sin, because the wage of sin is still death, but because we believe that Jesus was the full and final Passover lamb, we don't have to sacrifice a lamb every year. Jesus' blood shed for you and for me on the cross paid the price for all your sin and all my sin. Every sin, man, let's just dwell on that for a sec. It's so unfathomable to me. Every sin, past, present, future, has been covered. You are redeemed from slavery to another God. You've been redeemed from death that you deserve for your sin. You're invited home to God's presence as you trust God through Jesus to be your Redeemer and King forever. And so maybe, maybe you feel purposeless today. Maybe you you commonly feel weighed down by guilt and shame. Maybe there's some secret sin that, that is scaring you. Maybe you feel trapped and enslaved by some sort of sin or brokenness. Here's the reminder of Easter. If you're a Christian, you're already free of that. In Jesus' death, God already paid the price to redeem you and bring you home. Jesus already died for you. And if you don't know Jesus, the good news for you is that God has already freed you too. You just haven't believed it yet. In Jesus' death, God already paid the price to redeem you and bring you home. Jesus died for you too. Is that good news? And the question for you today, no matter how old, how young, no matter if you've been walking with Jesus for a long time or just asking questions about him, if you feel purposeless, weighed down by guilt and shame, secret sin, scared, trapped, enslaved, would you trust that God who has already paid the price to redeem you and bring you home and declare that you are worthy, and you do have purpose, and your sin is free, and there is no fear, and you're you're freed from whatever slavery. And so you can see what we're doing here. Through this song in Exodus 15, Israel declares that God is good, and maybe that's a needed truth for someone in this room today, just that God is good. Israel declares that God is a savior. And maybe that is needed news for someone in the room today. And Israel declares God's glory. And maybe that is the news that someone needs to hear today. The point is that there is no end of good news. There is no end to the good news of God, who he is, 
There is no end of good news for what God will do. That was true for Old Testament Israel after he led them through the Red Sea. That is true, even more true for us on this thing we celebrate today called Easter where Jesus lived and died, but didn't just die. He rose and he reigns. So listen to me. If you feel burdened, Jesus lifts that burden. If you feel hopeless, Jesus offers hope. If you feel lonely, Jesus promises to be a companion through the Spirit. If you feel joyless, Jesus offers greater joy no matter the circumstances. And if you feel scared, Jesus offers comfort. And if you feel guilty, he offers freedom. And if you feel oppressed, he offers justice. And on and on and on and on the good news of Jesus goes. And it all leads us to one question. No matter what you feel, would you trust that God? Will you trust that God? Do you trust that God? Because y'all, the same good news that Israel sang of in Exodus 15 is, is the God that we sing of today. The same God that Israel celebrated to save them from slavery is the same God that we believe celebrates, or that we celebrate in saving us from sin. But the story of Exodus doesn't stop after the Red Sea. We're 15 chapters into a 40-chapter book. Similarly, the story of Jesus doesn't stop after Easter. I love that last verse. That though he's dead and rose and ascended, his story is not over, which means your story is not over. See, in Exodus, God leads his people to this promised land and, and offers to guide their step every day of their journey there. In raising Jesus from the dead at the first Easter, God declares there's a better and greater promised land that exists for all eternity, and that is the final home for everyone who trusts God through Jesus. And you know what God still offers? He still offers to guide us every step of our journey through this everyday life on our way to that promised land. The good news of Easter is that that all-powerful, all-personal, all-redeeming, all-hopeful, all-pursuing, all-joy-giving, all-comforting, all-freeing God, that news doesn't stop at Easter Sunday. That news is true tomorrow. That news is true on Tuesday. It's true in June. It's true on Christmas Eve. Every day of every year of our whole lives, God is for you. God doesn't just free Israel from slavery and ignore them. He doesn't just raise Jesus from the dead and ignore you. The Passover lambs, they died and they stayed dead. All those Egyptians in the sea, they died and they stayed dead. Even Moses and all of Israel and you and me, when we die physically, we stay dead until one day when Jesus comes back because Jesus died, but guess what? The truth we declare today, he is risen, he is risen indeed, is that, yeah, Jesus died, but Jesus did not stay dead. And because of that, we will not stay dead. He lives, and he lives for you, so you have life too. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what aspect of Jesus' life, death, resurrection, reign, no matter what aspect of good news is captured in this song or throughout this book, the scriptures, 
no matter what you most need today, no matter how old or young you are, no matter how long you've been walking with Jesus or if you're just asking questions about him, God loves you. God leads you. God knows you. God cares for you. God provides for you. God did that for Israel. This is the blessing we say sometimes with birthdays with kids here. God does the same for you and will for the rest of your life. If you trust Jesus' sacrificial death on Good Friday, if you trust Jesus' miraculous resurrection on Sunday, you too are invited home to God, who, as the very last verse, which will be on the screen, last verse of the song says, you're invited home to God who will reign forever and ever. So again, our question, church, is will you trust that God? And if you don't, whether you claim to walk with Jesus and are just struggling with it, or if you've asked questions and want to continue to ask questions, like today's a day to ask those questions. Maybe today's a day to, to be prayed over or decide to start trusting that God more. In fact, I'll be in the back during the songs if you want to talk about any of this. If you do trust God, one way we declare that trust is through this family meal we take, though, called communion. And so if you have put your trust in Jesus, if you said, yes, I do believe, yes, I want to follow, no, I don't do it imperfectly, if you would, grab the center of the table, um, grab a piece of the wafer, and be ready to dip it into the, either the wine or the juice. There's gluten-free options at the door over there, um, and there's individually packaged uh, options at the door as well in case you are a little sensitive still. But on that night that he sacrificed himself, Jesus took bread and he broke it and said, this is my body. And then he took the cup and said, this is my blood shed to forgive your sin. So will you take the bread, will you break it, as we remember Jesus' broken body, and will you dip it either in the juice or the wine? The wine is darker, the juice is lighter. Kids? <laughs> and as we receive the bread and wine, go ahead, we proclaim our trust in Jesus' death, and especially today we proclaim our trust in his resurrection that covers our life until he comes again. That's the good news of Easter. Let's pray. God, we declare that even though we have a hard time trusting it, sometimes you are a powerful God, and we thank you for fighting for your people. And God, we declare that even though we have a hard time trusting it, sometimes you are a personal God, and you pursue your people. And we declare, even though we have a hard time trusting it at times, that you are a redeemer, and you save your people. And so I thank you that these things are true and thank you that you do give hope to the hopeless and joy to the joyless and freedom to those trapped and justice to those who are oppressed. And God, would you work in us to be your hands and feet, to do the same, but only because we receive your power and declare your death and declare your resurrection. Would this be a truth we don't just celebrate at Easter, but tomorrow, Tuesday, June, Christmas Eve, and every day of every year of our lives? Would you remind us that because you live, we can indeed face tomorrow? It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.
I'm just back there thinking, like, do you think places, other places in the country sing that, or is it just, like, I can't picture Seattle, like, birthplace of Nirvana and grunge rock, like, rocking out to this on Easter, and it's their loss, really, like, their loss. Um, all right, before you go, just a couple quick things to tell you. First of all, this Friday um, is Ladies' Night at uh, Miriam Simmons's house. From 7 to 9, drinks and desserts will be provided, just a chance to get together and kind of across DNAs and get to know other folks a little bit. And then next Sunday, uh, what better way to come out of Easter than to celebrate new life and, and to celebrate baptisms. And so I think we have four folks getting baptized next Sunday. Um, if you'd like to join them, if you are new to Jesus or have questions you want to talk through this week and see if you're ready or if you've walked with Jesus for a while and never kind of declared that death to life, the laying down of self and rising to Christ, we'd love to chat with you this week as well. It'll be 4 p.m. It'll be here. Um, and then finally, book clubs are starting again this summer. Uh, we did this last summer, kind of uh, had DNAs kind of cross-mingle and get to know other folks from other DNAs or different DNAs kind of did a book club together. Um, so we're starting to gear up for that. So if you have an idea for a book um, or if you'd be interested in leading a book this summer, um, let us know. But those are the big things I have coming up. So anything I'm forgetting? Anything? Questions about anything? Okay. Then I'm going to send us out uh, with this passage from 1 Corinthians. Um, this is, is the promise of Easter, not just that, that Jesus' perishable body became an imperishable body, but, but y'all, this is true for us. This is why Easter matters, is that we, re- we, we, we worship a living Savior, but we also, because of him, will have eternal life. This is what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. Jesus was imperishable. He was immortal. He put on a perishable mortal body, but then he became imperishable, immortal again. That's what's going to happen for us. When this perishable body puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Because the sting of death is sin, and the power of death is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. That's our hope as we go into this week as salt and light, not just when we gather, but declaring and displaying the hope of Jesus that we have. One day death gets swallowed up, and Jesus reigns victorious in our lives today and one day for all of eternity. Have a great week. Happy, happy Easter.